What's up, everyone? We're here for another week of Locked On Bucks, and it's been a big couple of days. If you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan, a big win over the Chicago Bulls, a big win over the Phoenix Suns a little bit earlier today. The Bucks have a four-game winning streak going. There's been some massive performances along the way, plenty to break down. So let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Kane Pittman, you can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday, and also find my work over at ESPN. Joining me, the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. Uh, as always, we thank you for making Lockdown Bucks your first listen of every weekday. And I emphasize the Monday to Friday because because I get it, I get it. You know, the Bucks have a big win on Friday night. Everyone's out there looking for that post game pod. They want to hear Kane and Frank breaking this thing down, specifically Frank. And and I reject and I rejected Frank. Frank sent me a message and said, "Look, I would be interested in podcasting if you're free." I wasn't, so you can direct the blame at me. But we're here now to talk about it. The Bucks beat the Bulls, one eighteen to twelve. Now they beat the Suns, one thirty two to one twenty two. And before we dive right into it, Frank, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. But hey, this has probably been the most enjoyable week of the season, of the regular season. They beat Miami in a close game. They beat the Bulls in a close game. They beat the an undermanned Phoenix in a close game as well. But we've discussed it, Frank. The clutch stats, they were ranked 29th just in total clutch minutes. They just hadn't had a lot of reps in this situation. Three straight games, they were able to pull it out. And for this game specifically with Phoenix, you do it in a night where Giannis doesn't have his usual dominant impact. He fouls out the game. You get a classic Chris Milton performance and Drew Holiday in the fourth quarter has been out of this world over the last couple of games here. Yeah, I mean, I think you can look at all the games. I mean, the Charlotte game was a pretty comprehensive blot, but the three games since Miami, Chicago, Phoenix, definitely things you can nitpick about all of these games, right? I think principally, you know, you look at just the opponent scoring and the Bucks defense sort of from a 48-minute perspective. Definitely left some things to be desired. And again, today, um, the Suns, even without their two dominant uh, you know, guards in Chris Paul and Devin Booker, Kim Johnson was also out today. Um, they still scored a ton. They still scored with ease for most of the game. But once again, we've talked a lot about, you know, when you talk about like quarter, quarter stats and like that, we always focus on the third quarter swoon and the problems the Bucks have had in third quarters. We saw it again on Friday um, in Chicago where they, they gave up a big run in the third quarter. But certainly over the past week, the new theme has been the Bucks uh, closing games out in the fourth quarter and showing that they can come back from fourth quarter and not panic, play like a team that's been there before, which they definitely have, um, and kind of play through different scenarios in different games, whether it's opponents shooting really well from three, whether it's Tonight, very strangely, Giannis being having a completely MIA second half foul trouble being certainly part of it, but overall just not even really getting shots. 
Um, only what uh, two points scored in the entire second half, which is crazy for a guy that is the NBA's leading scorer in fourth quarters and in second half. So very strange uh, kind of Giannis story tonight. But for the most part, um, you know, I think the the resolve in these fourth quarters, especially with these last three games, has been an encouraging thing to see and just a reminder that, yes, this team, you know, doesn't panic. We've seen turnovers be issues in first halves and sloppiness be issues. Not, oftentimes when they have the third quarter problems, they get really sloppy with the ball. We saw tonight, sure that first half was super sloppy, just lots of unforced errors, turnovers, creating points for the Suns going the other way. Give give the Phoenix defense credit. Um, and tonight, uh, again, they just cleaned it up in the second half. And, um, you know, for Chris and Drew to both be monsters in the fourth quarter tonight, really picking up the slack for Giannis and, and his struggles. Um, and Drew doing it twice in as many games, you know, Drew's not a guy that we normally look at and say like, oh, he's, you know, a super clutch fourth quarter guy. Um, and in fact, had some problems in those Philly and and Brooklyn games when the Bucks blew leads. So just, I think, you know, good to see them as a team responding and, you know, closing out against a number of, of good teams, including a huge comeback against Miami. And obviously great to see Drew and Chris finding their form. We know what Giannis can do. Giannis has been playing on a different level for most of the past few months. So to see Chris and Drew both playing at a high level collectively is really important, especially when we look at how little help they've often had from the bench. Although today actually was a a bit of a pleasant surprise in that we actually had some contributions from the bench for the Bucs in the form of Serge Ibaka and Jordan Wara. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, if you talked to us after the Nets game and told us we were going to see the Bucks go 4-0 this week, I think we would have said, damn, that's the best case scenario. And honestly, not even going to worry that much about how they do it. You know, get get, get four wins up on the board um, and just continue to kind of, you know, hashtag get better every day, right? Build good habits, all of Giannis's favorite cliches. Um, and, you know, just keep trying to claw your way up the Eastern Conference standings, and sure enough, now in third, and not not far off the two seed here um, with with Philly. I think two losses uh, up on them uh, for the second seed. So, yeah, good, 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 very good finish to a week. Um, maybe not the most convincing week game to game, but overall, you know, the point right now is is just getting some consistency, winning games, um, and certainly you look at what the Bucks are able to do hard to, to really, you know, have, have some serious uh, complaints over the past week. You mentioned the bench contributions and uh, we can, perhaps we can come back to Jordan war a little bit later in the podcast, probably not the, the number one topic of conversation, but he had some moments in this game and was playing some really important minutes. And part of the reason is because obviously there's no George Hill, Wes Matthews was another out, Pat Connaughton's out. Uh, and uh, we should say perhaps the most optimistic thing, that we've seen from Brook Lopez all season. The reason why it felt like he was not close to playing was because we never saw anything. Uh, he's out there warming up before games now. And some people would sit there and say, well, it doesn't look like he's doing anything too strenuous. But when you see Brook Lopez, that's him at full speed on some of those hook shots that we're seeing pre-game. So we should keep that uh, in account. But your point that the Bucs uh, were able to dig themselves out of holes or, you know, the guys like Middleton and Drew Holiday, obviously Chris tonight with 44 points was ridiculous. But I I do watch this team and we said there hasn't been a lot, a lot of opportunities to do so. And part of it is just the personality of these guys. But they've, they, they have had the experience now in this game. 
I was trying to look for a gif in the fourth fourth quarter of uh, someone just taking their repeated punches in the head and not falling over because Phoenix, despite the fact they didn't have Chris Paul, despite the fact they didn't have Devin Booker, every time it looked like the Bucks maybe were going to go on this run, campaign would hit a three. Mikel Bridges started hitting shots in the fourth quarter and they got it back up to that five-point margin. It felt like about 15 times in this game. Finally, though, uh, the Bucks were able to break them. And, you know, like you said, for all the, the issues that Middleton's had in terms of being uh, yeah, a little bit out of form, perhaps missing some shots, again, we've discussed that he really hasn't had a break. Maybe, even though he, he was at All-Star Weekend, maybe just a mental recharge, maybe a few days off that extra week, he's come back. The Bucks said that they wanted to lock in, but Middleton tonight uh, would have been giving Phoenix Suns fans uh, some, some nightmares with some of the shot making he had late in this game. He absolutely took over. And uh, you know, this this Bucks team have spoken about it. You did the tweet. Everyone's giving you the credit, Frank. Now would be a good time for the Bucks to flip a switch. Again, I'm not sure that they've done it totally on the defensive end, but certainly through stretches in the fourth quarter, you see them lock in. And those turnovers that were a problem, that was the reason that Phoenix were winning. The points off turnovers at halftime. Incredibly, by the end of this game, points off turnovers is 27 to 24, which is, you know, in the end, it was, it was almost even. The Bucks tidied it up and they were able to get a win. Yeah, and I thought... You know, one of the things that we we saw these past two games, really, um, last year, so much of the theme of of their success in the playoffs was playing with size, being able to use their physicality on the offensive boards and the defensive boards um, and sort of dictate sort of the the terms of engagement, you know, dictate the, the trenches, if you will. Um, in this game, you know, Serge Ibaka, six offensive rebounds. I, I mean, the first Friday night and the first, quarter call it of Serge Ibaka today feeling like pretty washed for Serge Ibaka I, was I mean he went feeling... through that stage the other night was it the Bulls game where he just kept on chucking up mid-range jumpers and I was like what is what is happening here at the moment yeah. and and you know he'll he just have these stretches where it just doesn't seem like he's putting up a whole lot of resistance defensively yeah. um but you know you just look at kind of the way he kind of grew into this game finishes with 14 points on 10 shots uh, 10 rebounds, six of those on the offensive glass, a couple blocks, plus eight in 22 minutes. And, you know, in the fourth quarter, he I think he had a block. He, uh, he had a really nice block um, that kind of kept the crowd really engaged. And I think the ball went out of bounds. And then he got, I think he got subbed out actually, r- like right after the block to bring Giannis back in. But, um, you know, this is kind of one of these questions with Serge with the back, with where he is age-wise. Um, and potentially this is a preview of, Brooke Lopez, right? Another guy coming back from a back injury, you know, especially in the regular season, we'll see in the playoffs, like is the problem not that they can't get to good levels, but they just can't do it consistently. That's obviously one of the things you often hear people talk about when you look at players aging and what's really a challenge, you know, is, is the problem that they can never be awesome anymore. You know, these really good players as they age, no, it's usually just that they can't do it consistently. Their bodies just don't cooperate um, and and kind of let them do that. And, you know, with Surge, I think there have been some promising moments, but for the most part, and I would say the the experience thus far since the trade, it's been pretty underwhelming. Um, I think the upside for Surge is that ultimately he's still a big body. He's, he's smart. He's got good touch. You know, him even at sort of half speed, especially in the regular season, probably can still help you night to night, at least in certain matchups. Um, but I would say so far, still a lot to, to see, let's just say. I, th- I think 
you know, the, the, the Bach experience so far has not convinced me that like, oh, don't worry, Brooke Lopez, we don't need you. You know, we're, we're fine, right? You got, you got, we got that third big, don't worry about it. Um, it, it definitely has me nervous because Brooke's coming back from a back injury as well. So we'll just kind of see what happens, but obviously really good to see Brooke continuing to progress and actually progressing in ways that we can now see <laughs> on the court and, uh, you know, Bud and others who have been hush-hush about him here over the, you know, for months now, basically throughout the regular season, um, are now kind of obviously letting on that he's getting closer and closer to, to potentially a return. So, um, you know, we'll see when that happens. We'll see how quickly he can ramp up. Um, but in the meantime, certainly Serge Ibaka being able to use his size and, you know, help inflict his will a little bit uh, on the glass, if nothing else, maybe protect the rim a bit is, is important given some of the challenges the Bucks have had. And you look at the, the numbers tonight, 40% offensive rebound rate, 14, you know, 14 offensive rebounds, not the most ever or anything like that, but considering the Bucks weren't missing shots, 14 offensive rebounds was a big deal. And 85% defensive rebound rate versus 15% offensive rebound rate for the Suns and 60% defensive rebound rate, obviously just the inverse of the, inverse of the numbers I just quoted you. That's how you rack up a 48-27 rebounding advantage is by doing it on both ends. And, you know, I think that was obviously really important in terms of helping kind of turn the tide a bit in the turnover department. And you look at actually in the end, the end result, 15 to 11 in terms of turnovers, Buck's still on the worst end of that. But the points off turnovers narrowed to 27-24. And I think like 21 of those or something like that, 20-some came in the first half, I think, for the Suns. So just really hurting the Bucks um with with just some of the sloppiness and you know on the topic of the rebounding um you know going back to to friday night's game in chicago i mean the bulls the bulls were not playing like extremely small i mean they started tristan thompson and nick vucevic right you started basically two centers and you look at the rebounding numbers in that game the bucks again 12 offensive rebounds the uh, bulls just five offensive rebounds so you know, again, the the rebounding battle favoring the Bucks, and I wish they had paid off. I think I don't think they got any points. Remember that possession very late in the game where I think they got like three or four offensive rebounds, and inside of I think I don't know if it was like inside of one minute or inside of, of two minutes, but that late game sequence where they kept getting offensive rebounds, I think probably would had a lot of Bulls fans sort of tearing their hair out. Unfortunately, they couldn't pay it off, but you know, overall. Um, Really encouraging to see what they were able to do on the glass again. 88% defensive rebound rate on Friday. That is awesome. You know, high 70s and above is is you'll happily take that, and a 26% offensive rebound rate on Friday. So, um, so again, I think that that's really important. You know, we talked about the Bucks winning the possession battle last year during the playoffs. They just got way more shots than the other team, and taking care of the ball was the other piece of that. Still have some work to do there, but at least on the glass, they seem to be winning some of that and. You know, I think again, as we try to gauge, like, oh, are the Bucks really like showing the energy and effort, and they really, are they really focused or trying? You know, I think those those rebounding numbers can sometimes be a pretty good proxy to just sort of see, like, with you know the level of physicality and energy that a team is playing. So, unfortunately, the Bucks actually can play a little bit bigger right now, given that you know you have Surge um, and and some of these other guys available, even though obviously still not not close to to full strength. Well, can I just say to go back to the game against Chicago and that possession you're talking about with all the offensive rebounds? Boy, did I want Grayson Allen to hit one of those threes! <laughs> oh my goodness, he just yeah. couldn't knock it down. He had a couple opportunities to do so, uh, but uh, nonetheless, they got through that game and picked up the win. Uh, you mentioned Serge Ibaka; he's obviously 
a little bit older now, but the one thing that you cannot deny about Sergio Barker, he is built, which reminds me, Built Bar, our friends of the podcast, the best tasting protein bar that has ever been made. Uh, look, I've been talking about the New Year's resolutions. If you haven't listened to me now, Ali, you know, I, I don't know if you can be helped, but you should be having Built Bar if you're uh, looking to a healthy option that, that tastes good, then Built Bar is the perfect solution for you that you can have mint brownie coconut coconut almond uh this month you can get the white chocolate cookies and cream as well they're all delicious and the new flavors are always coming out all the time if the if they think a flavor might be good they'll make it it will be delicious and it will be good for you at built bar they are all about the taste they make it taste delicious first then figure out how to make it healthy after i don't know how they do it but they pull it off every single time so go to built.com use the promo code locked 15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. I should say one other piece of this, Kane, the, the common denominator of these last two games, Bulls and and Suns both shoot only 11 free throws each in each yeah. of these two games versus the Bucks. 33 attempts on Friday, 29 today, which tw- the 29 today is all the more remarkable considering the fact that Giannis only took six. And so... Again, it was not just a foul parade on Giannis, which, you know, on Friday, clearly the Bulls were, you know, I would say also becoming more emboldened to foul Giannis just because he had um, one of his, you know, worst free throw shooting games um, of the season here. Interestingly, just 3 out of 6 today, so he's only 50% today. I was looking at his game log. Since November 26th, those are the two worst free throw percentage games that he's had. So basically, you know, call that whatever it is, three plus months now. His two worst free throw percentage games have come in the last two games, and we've I think we've seen a number of like way short arm free throws. Hasn't didn't airball any of them, um, but reminiscent of when he ran into problems a year ago. So again, guys are going to go through you know kind of these mini slumps. Let's see if hopefully he can kind of get back on track because he actually I think he made twenty three out of twenty five in the two games before the last two games. So yeah. again, yeah. Kudos to Giannis. I mean, he's been remarkably consistent um, over the past few months with his free throw shooting. Again, some blips here in the last couple of games. So hopefully he kind of cleans that up and gets locked back in. But, um, you know, overall, uh, the free throw line, certainly um, a point of, uh, a, a point of, of, you know, emphasis in an area that the Bucks again, have always made a point of not fouling. And our friend Eric Name wrote about, you know, on Friday, the Bucks really trying to make a point to not foul DeMar DeRozan after he got, what, what do you have, like 18 free throw attempts or something in the Bucks' first matchup with the Bulls? Um, just a handful of attempts on Friday. And clearly the Bucks were, you know, really working hard to not foul him. And um, I thought it was really interesting just, you know, there's always a question, obviously, like, do you go over screens, you go under them when you're defending a pick and roll? That was really interesting, the way that the Bucks. We're going under screens against DeRozan. You know, if the screen was like at the three-point line, or even sometimes like right inside the three-point line, you'd see the Bucks guards go under those those screens, so that they wouldn't be caught in a situation that DeRozan's going downhill with a dump-off option to his big man, and 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 you know against whatever big man it is, Bobby Giannis um, or Serge, kind of on their back heels. Um, I thought they just did a really nice job basically saying like, we're going to try to wall you off at the foul line, but if you want to take a 21 foot jumper, we'll let you do that. But we know that he's not really trying to pull up for three, for shots that are that long. Like we know he loves to probe, get to the paint, um, get to the foul line, pump fig, do all that kind of stuff. And I thought the Bucks showed really nice discipline on Friday, just kind of 
staying down and, and again, doing a really nice job, you know, 30 attempts for, for DeRozan and 29 points. You'll, you'll take that every game. And Chris Milton did a very good job late in the game, avoiding a foul on Zach Levine. That was, but uh, nonetheless, obviously it counted. And Jay Crowder actually mentioned after the, tonight's game that how physical this game was. And I think it was. I think this was a really physical game. That's why maybe it's a little surprising that the discrepancy in free throw attempts is so wide, particularly when it wasn't Giannis attempting 15. Uh, but Jay Crowder's always a little bit upset. He was upset at Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis is smiling at him, telling him to get back to the bench. That uh, was a pretty comical uh, way to end this game. But staying with the defense, you mentioned, you know, I mean, Phoenix score 122 in this game without their two best players. And they're 53% from the field, 45% from three. And DeAndre Ayton, I mean, quite honestly, was incredibly impressive in this game. Some of the shot making, 14 to nine, for 19 from the field, 30 points. And I put it in our DM chat during the game. I said, he's scoring from all the areas that Bam Adebayo could if he wasn't so timid every time that he played the Bucs. And, and I don't know, I don't know like whether Brooke Lopez changes this a lot, but DeAndre Ayton's ability to make those shots, he had moments in the finals last year. There's no doubt about that. But this was a different level of confidence. And maybe part of it is that there's just more availability for him to have those shots without Booker and, and Chris Paul there. I, I'm not so sure. But I didn't see any shots from him that I was like, okay, this is wild. I mean, a lot of them were like the mid-range push shots, hook shots, open jump shots. They're, they're shots that he's probably going to be able to get. Yeah, interesting contrast to the first game between these teams. Um, in that first game, you know, the Bucks were switching everything and Aiden was getting switches and putting, you know, wings under the rim on, you know, kind of post-ups, you know, alley-oops, dump-offs with, again, the Bucks coverage is not being great. So at that game, it felt more like, you know, the Bucs were just basically kind of like trying to take away the guards and daring the Suns to play through Aiton. And they did, and he was great. And this game, I think it was a lot more about, you know, him really just aggressively looking for a shot. You know, he hit a three early. I think they said that was his fifth three-pointer of the season. So it's not something that he's typically done, although he has good mid-range touch. You know, I've always assumed he would add that to his game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think just credit to him. I mean, Giannis has, what, had two games under 25 points in the last, like, roughly 30 games, both of them against the Phoenix Suns and DeAndre Ayton, you know, got absolutely torched by Giannis in the finals, obviously last year. And Ayton's outplayed him, especially offensively, each of the two meetings between these teams this season. So again, today was just a weird game because it was it didn't feel like they so much like shut Giannis down. He had that really fast start, made seven out of seven, 17 points at halftime. And then with the foul trouble and just kind of got completely lost in the shuffle a bit, of the offense. And again, that's okay. You know, when Chris is going nuts and Drew holiday is going nuts. Um, so they didn't really miss him, but definitely, um, you know, a very rare down game from Giannis. And it just so happens now that basically by far his two worst offensive performances of the past few months have come against the Phoenix suns, the team that he absolutely shredded last finals. And also, I mean, he has owned them in the regular season over the past few years as well. I think he averaged close to 40 a game in the regular season last year. So, but that was kind of an interesting thing. I don't know that there was like, you know, like a specific look or defense that they were running against him in this game that, you know, really slowed him down. But certainly, you know, something to kind of file away in case these teams were to meet again in, in the finals for a second straight year. Um, but, you know, uh, again, Bucks are very, last year they're very top heavy right now because of the injuries, they're very top heavy in terms of their offensive playmaking and creation and scoring. Um, and fortunately, it just feels like every night you've been able to count on 
all three of Giannis, Chris, and Drew showing up and giving you 20 plus points a game. Ironic that on, on this game on Sunday, Giannis was the one that couldn't deliver with just 19. But I mean, we, we should talk about Chris Middleton, right? And we've kind of buried, buried the lead here a bit. Um, you know, this was just kind of one of those vintage Chris performances. And fortunately, we've seen Chris Middleton score 40 against the Phoenix Suns in the past. So I guess it wasn't, um, you know, maybe as shocking as it could have been, but um, just a kind of masterclass of Chris just getting to his spots, um, playing with control, knowing how to kind of find the shots that he was comfortable with, obviously doing his usual killer mid-range thing. And um, those two shots that kind of closed it out, um, the kind of mid-range jumper after Giannis fouls out, uh, and then the dagger uh, to put it, to, to make it a 10-point game, sidestepping. Chris admitted it was a heat check um, with when he was switched on to Aiton. Uh, just a nice little exclamation point. And hard to believe this game ended up being a double-digit Bucks win, just given how it was looking, even in the last few minutes of the fourth quarter. But, um, you know, Chris Middleton, I think, uh, you know, again, I think somewhat fairly has, has gotten some fair critiques this year for the consistency. Um, but at the end of the day, look, he's at 25 and five. Now he's at 20.2 points per game. Again, he's at 58% true shooting, which probably would surprise some people. That's the third highest true shooting mark of his career. The only two worst years are, or better years are his last two years. Actually, he was 58.8 last year and 62% during his kind of career year, a couple of years back. Um, but he was never, he was never at that number, those numbers before, um, before that season. And, you know, just very few guys that can kind of give you that level of production. And again, it doesn't even feel like Chris has been at his best for long parts of the regular season. And then you look up and once again, the numbers are, you know, pretty terrific and the balance of scoring and playmaking is there. And again, um, on a night like tonight where you get a rare off night offensively from Giannis, is he able to step up and, Again, Drew deserves a ton of credit because he was also just awesome in the fourth quarter. I think, what was this, the first time two teammates have put up 15-plus points in the in the fourth quarter in some very long time? And not Giannis, and, huh? and not Giannis, and Drew putting up, you know, 15-plus or 16-plus or whatever uh, fourth quarter points in back-to-back -back games. Um, you know, hey, you, you love to see it. You love to see those guys playing with confidence and playing at such a high level because, you know, let's be honest, I mean, this – this is what the Bucks need to be a true contender in the fight in the playoffs. They can't just be Giannis in a cloud of dust. They need those guys playing at a high level. And obviously we've talked about it. Chris has shown he can be play at a really high level in the playoffs, in the finals, um, deliver huge performances when the Bucks are up, have their backs against the wall. Drew has not been nearly as consistent in the playoffs, at least last year. Um, so again, I mean, Drew's numbers, I mean, his, his, his career-high three-point shooting numbers, just the confidence with which he's playing, um, struggled for long stretches tonight, right? I mean, his brother, Aaron Holiday, was getting the better of him for a while, which is not a great sign. <laughs> and, but he really grew into the game and obviously made plays, made some free throws as well. Drew, not always uh, the most clutch free throw shooter, but um, we've seen that a couple of times now in this past week. He's made some big free throws late. And, um, you know, again, just keep those guys healthy let them cook. And obviously the extent that they're rounding into form, the offense um, is, is just top notch right now. Uh, also uh, speaking of Drew Holiday, uh, cutest, probably cutest moment of the season. There might be some other contenders, but the pregame, the Bucks Twitter or social media put up a clip of Drew lifting his child up 
And by the way, this is how tall these humans are. They can just stand on the ground and lift a child up. I, I could lift a child up and they still wouldn't even be close to the damn rim. But anyway, the kids, I don't know the name, so I'm not, I, I, throws it down and the whole fire surf forum goes up in cheers. And uh, what a beautiful, what a beautiful clip. So well done to the Bucks social media there. Uh, we'll talk about our friends at Bet Online. Now, of course, betonline.net has been with us for a long time and football's done, but basketball is starting to heat up both in college and also the NBA stuff. So you can get the odds, totals, player performance props and much more at betonline.net. It's the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. And uh, like I said, it's not just basketball though because you get hockey, boxing, UFC, whatever you want. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and action that's BetOnline where the game starts. So the Bucks are 40 and 25, Frank. Uh, to get to 50 wins, that would mean that they would have to win uh, 10 more games out of their final 17. It's a pretty difficult schedule. Road heavy. Do you think they get into 50? I think that's probably right. I, I was actually, I took a look at the schedule um, this this afternoon. I was just kind of like, you know, I'm sure other people do this too, where you kind of look at it and be like, okay, what's like a reasonable you know, yeah. uh, guess like, okay, win that one, win that one, these next two, maybe split those two and you kind of yeah, eyeball yeah. it. And I, I, and I think I got to like 11 and six okay. again after, after that, I was kind of like, am I being a little optimistic with, with this? Um, especially, you know, you factor in, as I was mentioned on the broadcast a couple times, six, only six of the 17 games are at home, which is not ideal, but makes sense. It feels like they've been mostly playing home games here now for like, the last six weeks or whatever it's been. So, um, you know, again, we see at times going on the road can kind of help, I think, with the focus. We saw that uh, on that last West Coast trip where they kind of got locked in um, to a decent amount, and then they come home and lose a couple straight <laughs> against the Sixers and Nets. So um, so we'll see. Obviously, you get the next game on Tuesday in Oklahoma City. You know, again, the, the Thunder are frisky. They've beaten a number of good teams this year, but Giddy. guys, you just got to take care of that. Yeah, your boy Giddy, uh, NBA Chalamet. Um, you got to just <laughs> kind of take care of business. And, um, you know, you, last thing you want to do is go 4 0 against the teams that you just beat this week and then drop one in Oklahoma City uh, against the Thunder. So, um, but yeah, I mean, tough, tough schedule coming up. I, I was just on tankathon.com. Where I usually like to check the opponent or the uh, remaining strength of schedule. Too late Bucks for the Bucks no- to tank, Frank. It's Bucks- too late for the Bucks. <laughs> Bucks no longer have the uh, hardest schedule in the NBA because they just had because such a hard schedule week? this week. Yeah. They've yeah. kind of gotten a, you know, a decent chunk out of the way. They're still the third most difficult schedule. Bulls actually, um, and again, it depends a you know, I mean, different methodologies for kind of measuring opponent, you know, find a strength of schedule. Um, given kind of home road, things like that. But um, but this one at least had the Bucks third um, behind the Bulls and Lakers. Oof, Lakers. Not exactly a team that probably wants to hear that they have the third hardest or the second hardest schedule left. But um, but again, I mean, I, you know, I'll uh, coming off a 4-0 week against some very good teams, I'll uh, think back to that Jeff Van Gundy comment that, you know, playing a tough schedule can be maybe a bit... Um, he didn't use the word galvanizing, but, <laughs> but you know, can maybe help a team and force a team to lock in a bit and play at a higher level and maybe not get some of the complacency that 
certainly we saw the Bucks, I think, suffer from at various points during this season so far. I think some of the losses, um, especially some of the home losses to middling teams, you kind of look at it and just say, like, guys, seriously, like you got to Can you just get up for these games? And, you know, so um, so I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Bucks are fully back and cranking on all cylinders. I mean, end day, it's it's you know, we've seen four four games in a row that they've won. Most of those games have had some rough patches, some periods that you would say, okay, there's a lot to to go back and look at on the film. Um, but ultimately, especially for the regular season here, uh, it's just about getting reps and uh, and cranking out wins. And I think I think we have seen signs of kind of a little bit more of like playoff mentality. I think you know not today because Giannis had the foul trouble, but we've seen some of the fourth quarter minutes, you know, Giannis playing, I think we've seen Giannis play a couple times, like in the last few weeks, like full fourth quarters, basically where he's not getting that, that middle of the period rest. Cause the bucks are like, all right, it's kind of go time. We need to pull this out. Um, and so I think a little more of that focus we've seen, obviously what no West Matthews today, but you know, West be part of some of those closing lineups. I think some of the defense in fourth quarters at least has been more impressive. And obviously, you know, the, the fourth quarter success has been, really the, the kind of biggest part of the story here over these last few games. So I think some, in, some encouraging signs there, but you know, again, it's 82 games. Um, you're just trying to crank out enough wins here to put yourself in a decent spot and stay healthy between now and the end of the regular season. But as we've been saying, just given, given some of the inconsistency in the strength of the East at this point, um, certainly not a given that, you know, you can just kind of sim to end and, and get home court in the first round or something like that. But Obviously, that's the goal, and you know certainly Cleveland. Finding out here in Cleveland today, um, Jared Allen has a broken finger; he's out indefinitely. Um, you know, the Cavs have been kind of hitting a bit of a rough patch anyway, so that's I think one team that that maybe is going to have a little harder time keeping track with kind of the teams in the top half of the bracket. But again, certainly still no shortage of of teams that are going to be clawing for for a top four seed right now. Yeah, the Cavs feel like the team that might drop into the play in there, but the Nets are below 500. They keep losing. Don't know what's going on with Myella, uh, Aussie friend, uh, Ben, Benjamin. Uh, we'll see when he decides. I, was gonna say, I thought you were going to say Patty Mills. Patty Mills, you're real, you're real boy. Well, we know what's going on with him. He's just getting buckets. That's, that's, that's what he does. Always ultimate teammate. Uh, but you did mention the schedule and, you know, obviously the Thunder, but then you have the Atlanta at home, which has been a team that, you know, it does give the Bucks <laughs> some troubles in the regular season for sure. Uh, and then you're and then you are you're on the road trip with the Warriors, the Jazz, a revenge game for Dante, and then Minnesota, who's been playing pretty good basketball as well. So it's going to be challenging. Then the Bulls back home, so it's going to be uh, another difficult week or so here for Milwaukee. Just one quick note before we wrap this up. So Middleton, 27 field goal attempts today. I was just looking it up on the fly here because when I yo know, you see the points and then I saw the field goal attempts, I said 27 shots for Chris. That has to be pretty rare. Last time he did that. Game four of the finals. He also scored 40 points against the Suns. Pretty memorable game. The time before that, and he only did it one other time for the entire season, playoffs or regular season, had at least 27 shots. 33 with, against well, the Nets, against, right? Well, no, he had 33. Oh, no, oh, that was the Suns, right? Yeah, he that did it the against Suns. the Suns. Yeah, yeah. He did it in the regular season. 27 shots as well. Uh, 27 shots for a uh, unfortunate 14 points in a loss to the Dallas Mavericks, six for twenty-seven he was that day, oh. which is a uh, that's a lot of shots for Chris to to only make six. It's it's very un, un Chris Milton like I have to tell you, six for twenty-seven. That's a that's a tough night at the office. 
By the way, it's funny speaking of um, you know three point shooting. So as I was looking at Chris's efficiency, I think you know you see the three point percentage. He's at like I think still a shade under thirty seven, and you'd say, well, that's part of why it feels like he's hasn't been at his best this year. But he's averaging a career high in terms of three pointers attempted. So it's a bit of that trade off, right? Of like from an efficiency standpoint, hey, even if you're shooting thirty seven rather than forty percent shoot more of those, right? Chris, you're a great mid-range shooter, but ultimately you shooting, you know, 38% on threes is a better trade-off than than you shooting 50% or 52% even um, from, from mid-range. So um, kudos to him for that. And he's averaging a career high in terms of free throw attempts, right? For all the talk about, you know, the league's new point of emphasis and, you know, Chris eh, has had, you know, a little bit of a history of grifting uh, free throws off of, you know, uh, getting guys to kind of land on him for threes and things like that. Um, you know, he's done a really nice job, almost five free throw attempts per game um, and seven out of six. I think he was seven out of seven tonight. So very good to see one one person who is not buying into three point shooting. This is a true end of podcast footnote. Oh, I was seeing you the other day about like how DeAndre Bembry just like never shoots. Like basically, <laughs> if it's not like a transition layup or like a putback or a cut, Pretty much doesn't shoot. And I was looking at it. He has played 40, 51 minutes since uh, arriving in Milwaukee. He has not taken a single three, which is kind of funny. Like when I was saying, like, you know, don't put much stock into his 41% three point shooting, I was thinking of it because of like, wow, his career is like high 20s or something like that. Has he only That's taken like nine? <laughs> he, he's, taken, he's taken five shots in 51 minutes total zero three-pointers attempted so far in those 51 minutes so yeah deandre bemby really just basically trying to like not upset you know it's like you know it's like one of those things like have you ever like played basketball with like a bunch of guys who are way better than you and you're just like i don't want to just like jack up shots and be that guy feels like deandre bemby's just like i'm just gonna like try to play defense and you know hit the glass and do a little bit of that and if i can get a layup great but otherwise i'm not even taking a shot He's been scoreless in, uh, let's see, three out of the four games that he's played. Uh, or sorry, four out of five, he barely played uh, on Friday in Chicago. So, um, so yeah, I, I would go ahead and say that probably uh, once the Bucs get a little healthier, we're not going to see a whole lot of DeAndre Bembry. But, um, you know, again, having uh, a couple guys that you can throw out there at a full court press with him and Javon Carter um, is at least uh, at least has some some value, I'd say. Well, I, I did tweet in typical clout chasing Pittman fashion. I tweeted uh, Drew Holiday's last uh, few games in the fourth quarter, and he's been spectacular. There's no doubt about that. And a, a Bucks fan tweeted underneath and said, this is the Javon Carter factor. Uh, he's, he's, he's letting Drew Holiday you know, rest on a few possessions, and you know Carter's playing some you know, important minutes. He certainly is. There's no question about that. But I noticed when I checked who liked that comment, it appears that Javon Carter's mother liked that, <laughs> liked that tweet. So I'm not sure whether Javon Carter's mother listens to Lockdown Bucks, but if you are listening, welcome to the show. We're happy to have Javon in Milwaukee, and I'm fine to roll with the Javon Carter effect. So shout out to Javon Carter, shout out to his mother. I hope they're uh, hope they're both having a lovely start to their week whenever they get around to listening to this podcast. But speaking of podcasts, uh, Frank's boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling will have you covered if you're into the betting world. Lockdown Bets. Uh, go check out that podcast. Frank, this was a good weekend. I know I'm, I'm glad you didn't hold it against me for not podcasting on Saturday. In playoff time, we really, we, we're cranking out weekend pods. 
during playoffs, but it's a bit early. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just, uh, I, I see that schedule ahead. I'm, I'm hopeful, but you never know, right? I just feel like you get those, those nice wins against good teams. Hey, let's let's talk about it. Let's wait a let's second. Are you trying to say you trying to say you're a fair weather podcaster? Would I have still? I'm I'm sitting here expecting I would have got the same message if they lost. No, eh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. That said, I was fully prepared to podcast with you uh, yes. last Wednesday when the Bucks were seemed to be headed to another loss against the Heat. Um, yes. So uh, you know, just nights like that, right? You feel like you're rewarded. You're ready for kind of a bummer of a podcast. Um, take, you're gonna have to take some medicine and work kind of work through it talk through it uh and then the bucks give you a gift and kind of show a comeback which as i think about that too what was it was it i'm trying to remember was it two years ago was it even last year where the bucks like just never had comeback wins and part of it was i think and maybe it was two years ago during the bubble season when you know they just, just never winning. really trailed yeah and so they really didn't have any kind of like comeback wins and it felt like when they would get down it would just be like uh f it like we're gonna lose um that's obviously been a bit of a different story this year with, uh, you know, this past week being a microcosm of that. And again, now that they're a team that like is, you know, constantly like coming back late in games, something like that. But, um, but certainly I think, you know, I don't know, again, put on our, our NBA psychologist hat. Uh, I, I don't think it's a bad thing to, to kind of show that, Hey, you get down, you know, a game like this where it just feels like you can't get over the hump, can't get over the hump um eventually you just stick with it you make some defensive plays you know Giannis for all his struggles it kind of felt like he took some bad angles a few times on defensive plays um but that one play uh that kind of sparked uh them taking the lead and you know ultimately not looking back that block on campaign who campaign is so sneaky at in those little pick and rolls he's got a really nice floater and he has that really like sneaky quick little up and under move um that we saw a number of times tonight but that time um Giannis just wipes out that layup attempt his third block of the game um and uh yeah I mean uh, that was that was fun fun to watch and by the way we said we were going to get back to Jordan War should we for our final piece here should we keep it rolling we, Frank come on but 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 you just we, have to be aware you just have to be aware that some people might have uh stopped listening when you said this is a end of podcast uh, line and now well, you're getting back into yeah. the nitty-gritty but go for we it. still have we still have Jordan Wara's aunt and uncle and Javon Carter's mom and you know I don't know I don't know if Lindell Wigginton's cousins maybe are still listening as of well course. hoping for a shout out from me his number one supporter um but I I don't know I mean it's it is it the the, the more experience has just been pretty funny this year overall you know I think back to a year ago and he was a guy that you know people randomly would just be like, we need more Jordan war. Like, you know, got to give more minutes, Bud's not developing and blah, blah, blah. Right. And it's like, eh, you know, I get it. <laughs> I get why he's not playing given, given what they had with the, with their kind of top eight. Um, and this year it's, it's just like, feels like nobody is sort of like on that knife's edge of exciting young player to get this guy off of my television screen as much as Jordan Wara. And I think some of that's the, um, you know, some of the shot selection, obviously with the three point shooting, taking shots that are heavily contested. We know he can make them um, some of the decision-making some of the defensive. I don't know if it's even like defensive effort so much as just like, he's just obviously just not a, a physically gifted defender. Um, but I thought Friday night, I will, I remember him Setting up Giannis, I think it was a dribble handoff, drove middle, wraparound pass to Giannis, rolling 
for a dunk. And in this game, um, a couple times I thought, you know, what, what was encouraging was when he put the ball on the floor and he went to the basket and he was able to score um, either in transition or in the half court attacking with little floaters and trying to go to the rim. And again, I mean, I think with Jordan, obviously he has to make three pointers. That's, that's obviously going to be kind of a key thing for him as, as he tries to carve out a career as a role player. But, um, but, you know, just one out of six today, but he was four out one out of six for three, but four out of four on twos today. So 12 points on 10 shots, um, a plus six in 26 minutes. And, um, you know, I thought held up well enough that, you know, we actually saw him in the fourth quarter for, for periods, right. Which is saying something had the most minutes of anybody coming off the bench, which again, a lot of that's cause, cause Wes was out on top of Pat and, and the other absences today, but you know, kudos to him, right. You know, he's, he's still a young guy just sort of trying to find his way and um, you know, nice to see him make plays and good to see, I think as well, like when he aggressively actually tries to do something beyond kind of fade away from, from three or take a, take tough pull-up shots. I think probably a good thing that, that sometimes uh, he's rewarded for, for actually going to the basket. No doubt. Uh, again, I don't know. The guys will come back. He probably won't be playing all that much, but to have a impact in a game that really matters against the, against a good team and play those fourth quarter minutes is beneficial. And I'm sure, you know, he's good for the coaching staff to see him be able to do that. Cause it has been a little bit of a roller coaster so far this season, which I don't think is necessarily his fault. He's in a difficult position playing some nights, not playing others. But anyway, I would, I would tend to agree. I think the, the overall uh, angst with Jordan War and not being a nightly rotation player is certainly settled down uh, from the start of the season, but we'll be back through the rest of this week, we already mentioned the game they have uh, Tuesday night against Josh Giddy, the Wizard of Oz. And uh, that's what they're calling him. I, I don't really know why they were calling him that. But anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. Box and Thunder. We'll be able to talk about it's, it tomorrow. It's a, it's a popular film, Kane. Just, you know. I mean, I've, I mean I've, I've heard of the Wizard of Oz. I, I, I feel like if you're, you wouldn't appreciate this because, like, you're just Australian. But I feel like, you know, anytime, I, I feel like, uh, have we ever talked about Harry Kuehl? the former lead soccer player, Australian soccer player from like. I don't know. We hasn't, but, but yes, yes. Yes. I, th- I feel like I heard him referred to as the wizard of Oz. Cause he was, you know, like a kind of creative attacking mm. um, midfield uh, type type player. I actually had a Larry, Ke- Larry, a Harry Kuehl lead soccer Jersey in college at one point. Fun fact. So, uh, you know, just, uh, I, I don't know. I guess I'm a supporter of the Australian soccer team there. Mark Viduka, Harry Kuehl. Yeah, you guys had right. some. I said some some pretty good players back back in the day, um, but uh, yeah, I think just you know Australian. Oh, you're creative and you're Australian, Wizard of Oz. There you go. That's just a lazy. That's just lazy nicknaming 101, Kane. But I I appreciate that it probably wouldn't be, you know, as 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 fun fun for you. No, I'm not a big fan of it. But anyway, on that note, I am a big fan of this podcast, so I'm going to do it again tomorrow. So make sure I, I'm I'm all for I'm all for Chalamet related Josh Giddy nicknames. Hmm. That that's that's all I'm going for. Which you know maybe a little tired tired, but um, great great hair on uh, on no. Josh Giddy. We should we should very focus on that more. He's living a good life. The teenager, I imagine that. Anyway, he lives in Oklahoma though, so yeah, yeah he's probably uh, he's really killing it there. He's really yeah. yeah. Australian, probably doing king well of over king there. of Oklahoma City. Yeah, I mean I don't know. Uh, Probably Stephen. I hope maybe Stephen Adams, you know, fellow down. What 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 do you call Oceania? Oceania. Oceania. Uh, do you ever do you ever use that term? No, no. 
anyway, Stephen Adams, another great fellow. On that note, that's let's wrap it up. This is getting out of control. Frank, speak to you next time. Catch you guys tomorrow.